Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Factory smoke will make you choke Deep in the heart of Jersey And the city rats running big packs Deep in the heart of Jersey Oh, the Parkway man takes the money from your hand Deep in the heart of Jersey And old Route 17 The traffic there is mean Deep in the heart of Jersey Those are the dulcet tones of the one and only Floyd Vivino, better known to television viewers around the world as Uncle Floyd. If you are not familiar with Uncle Floyd, check your pulse because you just might be dead. I don't know anyone that doesn't have at least one Uncle Floyd story for the last, I don't know, 55, 60 years. He has had this incredible, boundless energy, which seems to allow him to be everywhere all at once. Some people know him best for the Uncle Floyd TV show. Some people know him best for playing the piano and being an incredibly skilled musician. Some people know him best from his work on the radio. Other people know him best from... His work as as an actor in movies like Good Morning Vietnam. Other people know him best for being one of the most sought-after MCs and stage performers there is. But if there's one person, maybe with a nod to my friend Joe Piscopo, that so embodies what it means to be from New Jersey and to define what New Jersey is, it has got to be... Uncle Floyd. Floyd, it's been too long. It's been over a year since we chatted on the radio. It's great to have you back. And it's great that you read my intro just as I wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Floyd, uh, there are a, um, a handful of people that have not seen the Uncle Floyd TV show. We have Kenneth working with us, who's a little younger. He he might not have seen it. I don't know how to describe the Uncle Floyd uh, TV show. I mean, I mean, like, like for instance, the hot button issue these days is illegal immigration. And even though the Uncle Floyd TV show might have been for children, or it might have been not, I'm still trying to figure that out. This is kind of a typical skit that you might see on the Uncle Floyd show. Well, sure. I agree with the Census Bureau (laughs) in counting all illegal aliens as American citizens in the 1980 census. After all, they are living here. Professor Labak, I knew you were going to take this position. As a matter of fact, I was certainly perfectly sure that you were going to take this decision, and I was not even interested in making a debate with you. Because, Professor Labak, you are worse than an illegal alien. You are a bimbo. A big bimbo. That's what you are. Bimbo schmimbo. 
But in New York City, there are an estimated one and a half million illegal aliens. If they are not counted in the city's population, we will lose billions of dollars in federal aid. Uh, that debate was actually much more substantive than a lot of what we see on cable news uh, these days. But uh, Uncle Floyd, how would you describe the Uncle Floyd TV show to someone who's never seen it? I would tell them to listen to the song David Bowie wrote about me and the show called, uh, uh, you know, I'm Slipping Away. He wrote that, but in two, uh, 2002 it came out. And that, but it's very hard to capture it. We did 6,000, almost 6,500 shows. Uh, the, the little clip you played, I don't know where you got it, but that was a takeoff of Dr. Martin Abend and, and Metro Media Television. They had a, a little debate every night about things. And we were, we were lampooning whatever was going on from President Nixon to uh, illegal immigration, which is still a subject. Uh, you know, I pointed out that olive oil had an Adam's apple. Uh, we, we had a lot of stuff. I mean, <laughs> it was kind of crazy TV show. We did it a long time. You, I mean, were, you were also uh, very much ahead of the curve when it came to occasionally cross-dressing. You had a wonderful character uh, based on Julia Child. I think it was Julia's stepchild. And you would dress as Julia Child. I mean, that was very progressive of you. Yeah, we made a, you know, we, 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 we played the women on our show for the most part. Uh, uh, Trixie the Waitress, Julia Stepchild, whatever. It was a loose time in comedy. I mean, I, don't, I, I know my show would not work today. It wasn't politically correct, but we didn't care. I mean, don't forget uh, 1974 when I started, times were much different and people were much looser. And I think people stuck together a little better. They didn't get so offended over everything. I mean, even I got criticized for playing the piano the other night. Somebody uh, said, came up, actually said to me, the problem with the piano, there's too many white keys. I mean, come on. <laughs> and everything is offensive. Fred Flintstone's got swollen feet. It's not fun. Mr. Magoo couldn't see. He'd drive a car, land on somebody's roof and go, <laughs> oh, Magoo, <laughs> you've done it again. And nobody got bent out of shape. And I wonder, what do you think changed? I, did all of a sudden people lose their collective sense of humor or did? No, I, I, I think people think they're important now, whereas years ago, they didn't think of themselves as so self-centered and important that they have to make a comment. I got booed for saying, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm old school. I've been doing this professionally uh, over half a century. And I got booed. Eight women stood up and why must you differentiate? Why must you differentiate? So I says, you know, they're right. I'm old. I still say, ladies and gentlemen, let me start all over. So I turned around and came back to the mic and I said, good evening, things. I mean, is that better? Does that make you happy that you'd be called a thing instead of a lady or a gentleman? Uh, you know, what, what, I don't care at this point what they say, but it's got to be that every single thing is offensive. Uh, I find someone whose offense is Chef Boyardee. The man to take our national Italian food of spaghetti and meatballs and put it in a can it really bothers me. But I keep that thought to myself. But everybody has to say what they think about everything. The one of the shames, though, is that as long as for the multiple decades that the Uncle Floyd show was on uh, local television and on, on cable and it developed such a fan following, even people like uh, uh, John Lennon and, as you mentioned, David Bowie were big Alice fans. Of, too, of, of, everybody was. Robin Williams, yeah. But a lot of those recordings, a lot of those tapes of that show uh, don't exist, do they? Well, the. Uh, a state of New Jersey erased 
hundreds and hundreds. We think about 900 shows. Uh, I was told by one of the management of, of New Jersey Network that they didn't want any proof I ever existed. I was very controversial. We weren't trying to be controversial, but uh, people were starting. That was starting then. I'm talking uh, going back in the early 1980s. I mean, they were starting to get this politically correctness was starting to seep in. Not to everybody, but uh, you know, I was sued many times. Uh, I'm putting a book together of what it's like to be in the low rungs, the minor leagues of show business for 55 years. Because every damn show bo- showbiz book I read, uh, it tells a guy went to bed with 800 women, he made $2 billion. This is not real show business. This is a tiny percentage. Most people like me spent the life on the road. Uh, it eats up families and social life. It's, mm. it's, you have, it's a calling, in other words. And uh, we love what we do. And we, most of us come from show people. My mother was an actress. My father played the trumpet. My grandparents were in Italian vaudeville in Italy. They brought the both sides of my family were musical and theatrical going back to Italy and then into this country. We show people. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. You are obviously a, a very skilled musician, not only your ability to uh, play the piano, but uh, your ability to uh, sing and to kind of string together song parodies and novelty songs is is second to none as far as I'm concerned. Take me through your writing process. When you were writing a uh, a segment a, on the Uncle Floyd TV show or when you're writing a song parody these days... How do you go about it? What do you think of? How do you start? Well, you never stop going about it. Like, uh, you know, there's a story about James Brown, the great, uh, you know, rhythm blues singer, rock and roll, James Brown. And I knew someone who was his manager, and his house was cluttered with song ideas. Everywhere he looked, in the kitchen, there were a little stack of notes uh, on the uh, bedroom uh, table by the bed, little stacks of notes. Because the creative process, you don't sit down at 8 o'clock and say, now I'm going to write something. It continually flows like an oil well. Mm. And you've got to capture it and write it down somewhere. So it's very easy to do. Once it happens, it, it doesn't stop. And uh, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, so It's just so easy. Everything is so easy, but people might think it's complicated. But yet I can't tune my car up. I don't have any mechanical ability. Yeah, you and me both, my friend. Believe me. Now, I know you're still uh, pretty active. You are still on the radio. You've been on uh, WFDU radio for something like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, five, ten years. I don't even, yeah, I don't uh, even know. Ten uh, years now, yeah. You do, you're doing this uh, upcoming thing, the, uh, the Borscht Belt Fest in Ellenville, New York, which I want to ask you about. You emcee events every week, maybe even every day. Now, do you keep that busy because you want to be that busy or do you keep that busy because you need to keep working both but uh, I need to keep working because I that's what I love to do uh, you know you mentioned the COVID before we were shut down for a year and a half people like me and I remember a judge uh, really was uh, talking to me once and he said you didn't have any questions I said yes judge my country renders me uh, in in whatever unimportant whatever the word in, in whatever the stupid word was 
um, unessential, unessential. My work is unessential. My profession is unessential. But my taxes are essential. My auto insurance is essential. My rent is essential. I says, how does this make any sense? Mm. He says, have a nice day, Uncle Floyd. And he walked away. <laughs> this <It's>, is life. <laughs> it's uh, what a shame. Hey, so what is this Borscht Belt uh, classic that okay, you have they, coming up? They got me. When I started, actually, I started in the Adirondacks, which is Lake George, in 1968. By 1970, I was working in the Catskills. That was... Lake George, the Adirondacks, the Poconos, and Berkshires were the minor leagues for the Catskill Mountains, which was the major leagues, especially the center, the Jewish center, where you had Grossinger's, Browns, the biggest stars in the business worked there. But then you had two rings, one Southern Italian and the Southern, and up in the north, there was the Northern Italian section, and there was also the Irish Mountains, the German-American, African-American section with Peg Lake Bates. You had a, a Puerto Rican section. You had all this. This uh, was based on uh, diet, ethnic heritage, and uh, religion, and it's all pretty much over now. People have totally intermarried and integrated, so it, it doesn't exist anymore. But there were 600 comics in 1968. Out of the 600, only 31 of us. We just lost Pat Cooper, so there's only 31 of us left. Now, we don't count people like Jerry Seinfeld with all respect He's a major star. He was a major star when he played the uh, Grossingers and, and Browns and all that. But we're talking about the guys like me who hung in there year, decade after decade. We made a living. It was better than the average working man. We put our kids through college in the Catskill Mountains. We bought cars. We, most of us lived in homes in the suburbs. It was a good living, but it wasn't the million-dollar-a-day dates. You know, It was better than average, I must say. We did okay, but... Uh, they're having a tribute to that, and there's only a handful of us left now. Uh, and they're doing this Catskill Mountain Festival thing uh, uh, at, in Ellenville. The museum's opening up in late July. But there aren't too many of us left, really. I mean, I'm one of the younger, and I'm 73, so we're one of the youngest left. But the uh, you, know, you mentioned Pat Cooper, and I was just going to ask you about that, because you've become so associated with... Italian culture and uh, Italian-American households, and so was Pat Cooper. Curious uh, what your relationship was like with Pat, and irrespective of how you knew him, how you would rank him as a performer. Well, first of all, to rank him as a performer, I used to say this to other comedians, and nobody ever argued with me, none of them, not even Robin Williams. I says if comedians were boxers, prize fighters, Pat Cooper would have been the uh, heavyweight champion, the middleweight champion, and the lightweight champion all at once. In other words, he could handle any opponent. Or any opponent. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I was with him 35 years as his opening act on and off, of course, uh, doing other things as well. We worked all kinds of... Uh, he just was... Uh, people were afraid of him, other comedians. He, I did a Soupy Sales show once at the bottom line, and Mickey Friedman, Soupy Sales, me, and about three or four other comics... And all of a sudden, we're on the stage doing what they call a round robin. In other words, someone yells out, do a joke about cops or do a joke about drugstores, and we have to come up with it. And someone says, oh, my God, Pat Cooper's coming up to the stage. He's coming up to the stage. Everybody froze. Joe Fra not Joe Franklin. Uh, Soupy Sales was running the show. And he says, go home. Soupy, go home. Have a bowl of soup and go home. Have some milk and go to have some cookies. Go to bed. It's over. And he's not everybody. He's destroying <laughs> 
Then he came up to me and he put his arm around me. He says, I don't have anything to say to this man. I love him. Just like that. <laughs> well, that's got to um, make you feel good. He, uh, he, well, it did. He yeah. was uh, angry at the, at the world. Hey, we're talking with uh, the legendary uh, performer, Uncle Floyd. If you want to know what he's up to, you could check out his website, UncleFloyd.net. There's uh, links to uh, follow, his, uh, follow his radio work. Uh, there's some clips of him on the radio. There's even an Uncle Floyd store. I actually just uh, purchased an Uncle Floyd T-shirt from eBay, which I'm excited about. But um, you also have a book out which I, I have a copy of. It's called A Collection of Stories from Uncle Floyd. What, mm-hmm. what are people going to learn in this book? Well, it's a, I, I've been writing for New Jersey newspapers since 1970, various papers, small papers, and I still write for the Italian Tribune. That's an Italian-American newspaper, a weekly, the largest one in the country. So I, I was always a writer. Every, if, if you sing, you can write. If you, if you write, you can sing. Everything's connected in the arts. And it's stories that I write for uh, North Jersey publications about little towns and things. And it's uh, humorous. You know, Pat Cooper used to call me the Norman Rockwell of uh, uh, Italian Americana. But it's not strictly Italian American. It's uh, stories about New Jersey and, and the weirdness of it. Not like weird New Jersey, but really just I just have fun. You see, you know, Frank, like you just keep talking on the radio. We just keep doing this. This is what we do. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that that's for sure. There, if people just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Uncle Floyd Vivino, absolutely one of a kind. I read an article yesterday, which I found intriguing because I do a lot of this on the radio. This was in Axios saying that this summer could be the summer of nostalgia and everything old from 30, 40, 50 years ago in some cases is getting prepared to make a comeback. Sometimes that's older characters like the Ninja Turtles or Barbie. Sometimes it's older food items like the classic McDonald's milkshake or um, Count Chocula cereal. Even things like VHS tapes and non-smart cell phones. What do you, uh, what do you think the summer of nostalgia might mean for Uncle Floyd? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, my whole life has just continued to work. But I do notice this, because Soupy Sales and other entertainers, so many older entertainers would tell me, you'll see a time in your career where people get tired of you, and then suddenly they'll come back out of nostalgia for you. Uh, people do that even with their old neighborhoods. They leave the neighborhood, and then they say, i got to go back and just see what it, what's happened and how it looks, and maybe buy something there if it's still the neighborhood I recall. It's part of life. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. That, that's what people do. But I don't think nostalgia – I mean, Joe Franklin said that for years it was coming back. People like Tiny Tim proved it to a degree. But the truth is um, most people who know me are – older you know the young people don't know who i i have seven children they don't know they really don't know much about my career we don't bring our work home well hopefully they've met you once or twice though they have well (laughs) my grandchildren too i mean it's uh, the business is tough on a family that that is that is for sure uh lastly floyd you've done a lot of radio work over the years and uh, i i do listen to the radio show that you do online uh pretty frequently but and i'm glad you're doing it again now but the the electric automakers have been uh, taking AM radio out of cars. The Tesla, for instance, has taken it out. Even BMW has taken it out, out of some of their models. A lot of people are concerned about the future of, of AM radio. You think AM radio is still important in this day and age? Yes, I do. The public owns the airwaves. We own 
Well, of course, we don't own them, but we, are, we have the rights to the air above our dwellings and the land we own. In other words, they can't build something in the sky and put it on top of your property. And one of the things, great things about AM radio and FM radio is they come through the airwaves, and the public owns that. So the, the government originally said, well, we're going to give free entertainment because it's passing through their properties, their physical properties. But to do that, we have to have commercials. And it was a big business, and I don't see why they would want to get rid of AM radio other than some kind of a, some kind of secret control over people. Yeah, it uh, certainly makes you shake your head Seriously. and, and yeah. wonder. Floyd, it is always a treat to talk with you, my friend. Let's Thank do this you, again Frank. soon. Okay. Check out the website, UncleFloyd.net. I really did just buy a T-shirt as, we're, uh, as we were talking here. Uh, well worth it, though. Uh, see, I could see that being a big conversation piece. It's exactly what I need. I don't even have room for all the clothes that I have, but I just bought an Uncle Floyd T-shirt. That's true. All right. Uh, the, the, yeah, there's T-shirts on there, records, all sorts of other memorabilia. That's a nice gift, by the way. If anyone's ever looking for a Christmas gift for me, um, think about getting me some Uncle Floyd memorabilia. Would love that. All right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.